You're listening to the Recoveredish Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to chat with my friend, Amber Beziger. How are you, Amber? I am so good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to chat with you because you are known as just kind of an anxiety expert. You're a therapist. If anyone doesn't follow you, will you kind of give them a bit of background about what you do and what your work looks like online? Yeah. So I have my account on Instagram. It's Amber Burst Anxiety, and I talk all things about just being a human and how we can manage our anxiety in this world that's sometimes chaotic and a little bit messy. And I talk from my therapist perspective and also my own personal perspective because, you know, anxiety is something I struggled with and still do for a large portion of my life. So I think it's just being relatable and authentic and just trying to share the knowledge that I have. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you share from both perspectives. I I struggle online to connect to people <laughs> who are therapists who just don't ever share that they've struggled with what they specialize in or things like that. So I love that you share from both sides of the couch, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Thank you. That was something that was scary because I feel like we're taught not to say anything personal, not to share anything about that. And then like, you know, the first times that you do, people are like, well, how could you help me if you have this? And I remember in grad school, I did like a whole research project on self-disclosure because I was so interested in it and why we shouldn't do it and found out that like that just doesn't align with me. So I just can't not. I'm Obviously, there's boundaries and things like that. But I think like just being more open and showing my human side has really helped me and helped the people that I serve. I love that. That's crazy because I also did a project in grad school about self-disclosure. That's awesome. And I tried to do – it was for my ethics class, and I thought I did a good job, but I got a bad grade on the paper because the ethics teacher hated (laughs) self-disclosure. That's really funny because my teacher was the same. They were like, no, this – I feel like what you're like skewing it to your perspective. And I was like, no, everyone loved what I was saying. Everyone loved what I was doing (laughs) at the internship. So whatever. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. I love that. Were you in therapy before you became a therapist or what led you to wanting to become one? Yeah. So I dabbled in therapy in and out. Like as a teenager, just I was a very, I guess my mom would say an emotional child. Everything was a big (laughs) deal to me and I'm still that way. So there was times where she was like, which is really cool now thinking back about like her life and our family where she was like, do you want someone to talk to you? So doing that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in college, I like worked at our college counseling center. So I did therapy there. So it was always something that I was interested in doing. I thought I wanted to work with children and I love children, but I do not want to be a child therapist. God bless them. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) They're very special, amazing people, but I am just not it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so yeah, it brought me to, you know, working with adults and I primarily work with women in my practice and that's just what I love. Yeah, so you specialize in working with especially women with anxiety. How do you think anxiety and how it shows up has changed with social media and the internet because I bet also that has impact right like with this new technology it impacts also our anxiety. 
I just think we were not like made for all this exposure. It's like such overexposure to everything. And you feel like you have to take it all in or you won't know. So I feel like that's like really anxiety provoking. And then like the things that we watch can be anxiety provoking and then feeling like you have to keep up. So I think there are many tiers and levels. And then I also feel like, and I am part of this too, where like we make like a joke about it, which like, yes, Mm -hmm. that can make it relatable and funny. But then I feel like people consume it as their whole identity of like, I Mm. am an anxious person instead of like, I am struggling or feeling anxious. It's like, no, this is me. And we like hold on to that really tight. And then we can get kind of like wrapped up into it. So we're not able to separate and learn how to manage and cope with it. Such a good point. Yeah. Because it, and I think that's, what's really hard about the internet is I think there was an age maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, where the internet did take itself too seriously. So I'm glad that we have evolved and there are memes and we can make fun of it and we can, especially a lot of us in the mental health community, we have mental health struggles too. So we can act as we understand the nuances of of the humor of it sometimes. I think it's just, it's such a hard line of... Like you were saying, I know I can – just like I talk about this all the time too. I know that I contribute to like the self-help issues on the internet, but I also am trying to talk about it so that we can all be aware too, but it's it's such a fine line. A hundred percent. I mean, I post memes all the time because they are funny. They are relatable. And they do get conversations started and people thinking and maybe – you know, people that wouldn't necessarily go out and look for the quote unquote self-help stuff that's on the internet. So it's like, oh, wait, that is funny. But also that's me. And that's so true. So I think like there is the there's the good with the bad. And it's like finding I don't even say good or bad. It's just like finding that balance for lack of a better word. Yeah. I mean, to anyone listening who's like, I don't know if I fall into that category or not. I think what I would say is listen, like you said, Amber, to your language about whether you are like especially holding tight to that identity of, right, I, you know, I'm anxiously attached. I have, right, because we could also go into anxious attachment, which is a whole nother world of anxiety too, rather than identifying with I'm someone who has anxiety and this is what I, this is what my life looks like, or this is what I have to do, or this is why I relate to these jokes. Yeah. I also think we have so much more knowledge of like things that only like therapists or other people would note like terminology, right? So I have clients coming into session all the time. Do you think I, have you ever heard of this? And I'm like, yes, I have. (laughs) Tell (laughs) me what. Can you give us an example? Yeah. Uh, Like anxious attachment. Uh, So I I watched this TikTok video and I, I I know that I'm anxiously attached and my husband is avoidant. So we're going to get, do you think like we're going to be okay together? And I was like, Let's back up like a million steps. But like, again, it's like cool that they're coming and they're like, okay, what is this? Like, can you help me figure it out? So like, I think we're learning more, but then sometimes I think, what do we do with it? So I I Mm -hmm. find it fun and I like it when people bring it to therapy so we can like break it down and talk about it. But I often wonder like, what's, what are other people doing that maybe not doing that? Are they like sitting in that and are they mm. feeling like overwhelmed? Are they feeling anxious by that? Are they not sure what to do with it? Or are they making like decisions based on videos and things that may not necessarily pertain to them? Such a good point. Such a good point. And I agree. I think that it can make conversations really great in therapy when someone shares how they were in the same way 
I mean like a book, right? Or blogs, <laughs> right? Someone could read a book or read blogs. And the really beneficial thing about individual therapy is you can bring it to your therapist and be like, hey, is this something I should work on? And we know you really well. And we can be like, yeah, that's that's a great thing to work on. Or maybe we say like, let's back up and let's look at Maybe you don't need to add something else to your plate right now, or you don't need to diagnose yourself as having anxious attachment. And I think this is the crux of what I'm constantly exploring and what we're talking about is on one hand, we're educating and providing resources for people. And on the other hand, that language can be misconstrued sometimes, right? Like therapy speak can be misconstrued. And while it was meant to help with therapists saying, here's some language to set a boundary, now we have Jonah Hill, right? Like weaponizing the word boundary. Yeah. No, that's such a great point. And I feel like it's probably one of the things that causes me the most anxiety about showing mm -hmm. up online and why I'm like, I'm going to quit every other day because I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I I want to make sure that I'm being like authentic to me. And like, I'm a human, I'm a therapist, but I'm also like a human and I have my own like human perspective, right? But then I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm not doing a disservice and I'm being clear and concise in a tiny three by three box right. of this gigantic concept that I want to share. Then you see people that maybe, you know, aren't in the therapeutic world and they just kind of create titles and they create these things and they put them out there and they get these gigantic followings. And I'm like, okay, like that, like, yeah, <laughs> that's scary too. And like, how much do I want to go against that? So I feel like that's what causes me anxiety <laughs> to put yeah. it in the short term. <laughs> it's such a delicate balance. And it's, I think it's way worse too, because right, sometimes when these things happen or Right, we see different therapy terms become popular every couple months or year or so, and that's the hot topic on the internet. And then you watch these creators, like you said, who aren't therapists, aren't professionals. Some of them are like twenty-something, just people, and they share a hot take. And sometimes they're interesting. Sometimes, though, it's clearly used by them as a strategic decision because they know using certain concepts like narcissist and gaslighting and toxic and some of these will create a lot more engagement. It's such a weird place that we live in now where <laughs> everything can be misconstrued and used for an individual person's gain of following online. Yeah, and how we put so much stock into that and I think people forget their own morals and basis and like mm -hmm. their own desires. We're just trying to chase after that thing or that like. And that's kind of scary in itself too because then we forget about like what are we doing to the people that are consuming that. Absolutely. And I mean I think that is one of the great – right? I think that's one of the reasons probably you and I are, are online is because we hope to be able to be someone – who does bring nuance, who does bring qualified real information to people and stuff like that. But it's also hard, like you said, when you only have a three by five box. It's part of why I started this podcast because I just feel so limited sometimes by every single caveat that I can possibly <laughs> think of. And you can drive yourself insane also. And I've realized like recently that I think sometimes all of my caveating can also become this form of perfectionism and anxiety yeah. of I'm trying to be perfect at making sure I never say something wrong. <laughs> that 100%. I feel like I have this conversation with my VA, my virtual assistant, like 
yeah 24 7 i'm like well don't say that well don't well, well you have to, if you say that you have to say this too and you have to like and i'm like i can't i can't cover everything like i'm gonna make a mistake i'm gonna piss somebody off like i'm gonna do something wrong or misstep and like that is okay too i will take accountability for that but i feel like yeah that is a very real thing that i feel like i i know when that i start to feel that like okay maybe i need to take a step back and like what was my intention here? Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Because it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And that's not fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The perspective is is so important because it is just like a rabbit hole that you can kind of get stuck in. And especially I think I can get very – I have to like <laughs> not try to apologize and and – monitor all of my comments because I will just go insane <laughs> if I try to make sure that I read and respond to every single comment and making sure people, you know, like I said, it's just, it's like another form of people pleasing or perfectionism if we can't give ourselves grace. Perfectionism is something that I think I struggle with the most when it comes to anxiety because I I want to be perceived in this way, like that I'm smart enough or good enough, but like and it's the constant reminder of like, okay, but I am enough of just myself. But the internet really, really like, you know, pushes pushes that button for you of being like good enough or how are you showing up and comparison. There are plenty of times where like, again, my VA will be like, I muted that person for you because you are comparing yourself to them. And it's like driving mm. you, like you need to stop. She's my saving grace <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that comparison is another huge trap too. Yeah. I think like even when we're talking about comparison, even if someone who's listening obviously isn't maybe a creator or something like that, the comparison happens so much online in our social circles. These whole worlds happen to your point of we were not meant, our brains were not designed to be in touch, right? To know what's going on with all of our exes or all of the people that like bullied us in, you know, middle school or all of these things. And now we have access to people's best versions of themselves online for like the rest of our life if we want to, yeah. which is nuts. No, it is. Like I feel like, you know, especially when it's the holidays and like watching other people parent, I'm like, oh, should I have done that? I didn't get my kid this or I didn't show up this way. Like, am I doing it right? So yeah, there's just so much to consume. And and it's not just like unattainable people, right? Because mm -hmm. before it was like, oh, like the celebrity. So it was like, oh, that's yeah. like cool. But now it's like, you know, Cindy down the street. And I was like, well, what, what am I supposed to be doing that? Yeah, it's it really plays into – it plays a role in my head like, okay, I need to take a step back. Yeah, I think the holidays especially, like you said, are just – my daughter's eight months old and I haven't like taken her to see Santa yet. We haven't gotten like pictures done yet. I'm just like trying to survive and it's – it's you see – you know, you see all the pictures coming in. You see all the photos. It used to be just Christmas cards or holiday cards we would all get and now – we get to see everyone's full holiday season of events. <laughs> and like it happens at such an early stage too. Like I see with my kids, they're like asking for things that I'm like, how do you really – like you're mm. not that old. Like do you need a Stanley Cup? Do you need a phone? Like do you need – like I don't – like why do you know that? And why is that important? Like just seeing how like the list and the shift has changed of the things that they are exposed to and feel like they need. Um, where mm. before, like, 
you know, we were watching like commercials and seeing like whatever right. was cool on TV. And now, no. And I have, have to have a lot of conversations like, okay, well, like, why do you want that? Like, you know, is that yeah. even something you're interested in? And like, where did that come from? And like, not even realizing like, oh, I'm just exposed to it over and over again. It's telling me that it's cool and I need to have it. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't think about that, but that makes so much sense, right? And that's the problem with the algorithm. It used to be, right, we knew that certain kids' programs were targeted at certain times or in certain types of media, but now depending on what kids look at for a longer period of time or not, they can be exposed to all different things that aren't necessarily geared towards them, to say it very lightly. <laughs> 100%. And I feel like we're – like. Just more adult things are, I feel like it was like cute. Remember when it was like older people clothes, like kind of, you know, toned down to like little people clothes. And like, I am a hundred percent. I loved that. Like I love like putting my daughter in like little cardigans and things that were like adult like, right. But then I'm like, but I also don't want you to have like all of these other adult things. So Mm -hmm. where's the limit here? Yeah. I mean, It is so – I don't know if you have thoughts on as a therapist, as someone who knows how social media impacts anxiety, do you have thoughts about teens and kids and social media and – and stuff like that. I know that's a really loaded topic. I I don't have answers for it all. (laughs) No, I don't have answers for it all either. And like I feel like I'm – my kids are 8 and 10. So they're like at that age where these things are starting to – come into play and I'm you know I always thought like oh I'm just you know I don't want to be like you know helicopter or whatever the term is now who knows but I'm trying to like let them make their own decisions and obviously now I'm like you can't be on any like (laughs) I go like extreme because I'm like you know you click on one YouTube video and it goes to something like completely inappropriate so I feel like I'm just constantly monitoring and watching and just trying to have an open dialogue and open conversation and not let my own emotions because like the one time you yell and freak out they're not going to come back I feel like so I'm like let yeah. me try to be more open and question and like be inquisitive instead of like berate because mm-hmm. there is just so much and there's going to be friends and peers and things online so I want them to feel like they have like a safe space at home to at least talk about that stuff but the exposure and then just how much I want them to expose themselves online Everybody has to do what they're comfortable with, but I know it's something that we talk about a lot in our house, just trying to figure out what is the right way to do it. Yeah. I think that – I mean, based on some of the stuff that I've read, I know the research is still extremely early because all of this is new. Yeah. (laughs) And we're early into it. But yeah, I I keep coming back to and keep seeing that it's about the relationship you have with your child like as the – as the backbone in addition to trying to limit and hope that they will come to you and stuff like that. But TikTok is just a whole different world, I feel like, when it comes to teens and adolescents. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about anxiety and if someone is listening, what are some of the things that you find the most important if someone is listening to this and is like, I just have so much anxiety (laughs) being online besides maybe taking a step back and taking breaks? What else do you work with clients on? Yeah. So I definitely talk to them about like, okay, what are we consuming? Is there like a trend that you feel? Is there something, is there people that you're watching that you're feeling more upset or you're, that's making you angry or whatever? So start to just like notice. And yeah. then can you, you know, do some what of a detox and maybe unfollow or mute? Or can you have two 
accounts where like this account is for this, you know, maybe you're looking at stuff for work or whatever. And like this account is just like fun, happy stuff and whatever, you know, that you can go on when you just want to like chill and not have all of that. So, you know, that's something that we work on. That's a great idea. I really like that idea as a suggestion for, especially because, right, it'll then create a different algorithm for you. So you will end up with different suggested, like maybe more puppies and more <laughs> more light content. I definitely can see that in my own, like with like, because my, you know, obviously Amberverse Anxiety is a lot of other therapists and creators who I love yeah. and I love watching that. But again, it's yeah. a lot of like self-help that's constantly coming through. So sometimes I need a break from that. So then my personal account is just like, you know, youth sports and like the other like, <laughs> mom type things. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So I I can like kind of go back and forth. And that's been nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I also think it can be a good exercise in remembering that at least I forget sometimes because similar to you, I follow so many therapists. I can forget that that's my algorithm and that is not just what the world is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the weirdest and maybe scariest things about algorithms is – And especially kids and teens don't know what – like they don't get that I think conceptually is it makes you believe because of all the popular content you're seeing that this is a true reflection Mm -hmm. of the world and it's really just a reflection of things that you don't even necessarily like but pay attention to. Yeah. Like I feel like if you go to like my explore page on Instagram right now, it's just like self-help. Taylor Swift and Beyonce. So it just yeah. it's all, all of those things constantly. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense with what you were saying about taking breaks, backing up. I mean, I think that's what's hard about it is there isn't really, I think, an answer for how do you be online and manage anxiety besides awareness, taking breaks. Is there anything else that you recommend to people? I think we can talk about like the roots of anxiety, right? Like exploring maybe some of those beliefs that you aren't good enough or things like that. Yeah, I think so when you're exploring those feelings, like is there comparison? Is there like what is coming up for you? And then you can kind of start to process those things out. And also, are you using it as like a time builder? Because a lot of time we're just like doom scrolling because, yeah. you know, a lot of times we're procrastinating because we are anxious about doing the things that we need to do or feel overwhelmed by the things that we need to do. So how can we start to incorporate those things back into our lives, like making our schedule more like attainable and easier to follow, uh, to-do list or, and not just saying we're going to walk away from screen time period. Cause I think that sometimes that's really difficult. I think people are always like, okay, I'm going to put it down for a week. And if you can do that, that's awesome. But for yeah. a lot of us, like we can't, mm-hmm. or like, that's just too much at one time. So maybe yeah, I'm going to like, incorporate that into your day. Like, I'm going to do this paperwork, I'm going to do this call, and then I'm going to go on TikTok for 30 minutes or whatever it is. So then it's it doesn't seem like, okay, I'm giving it all up. And it seems like, oh, it's still okay to, to do. Because I think sometimes we like punish ourselves for doing it too. I think that's such a good point. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it is so all or nothing. And and there's, like you said, if you want to be someone who goes on a detox or if you go on vacation and you want to unplug, like that's amazing and it can really help. And I also think for most people, this is a huge part of the world we live in now. So we have to kind of talk about conscious consumption and things that we can do to reduce it versus 
I think it can be overwhelming and broad when people are just like, give it up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay, what? Because <laughs> it is – you're right. It is such a huge part of our daily lives and our worlds and, you know, for some people at work and things like that. So is that actually realistic? I think we have to be more yeah. realistic about it. I also think there's a lot of times where we're like, oh, I'm going to walk away from it for that week I go on vacation then come back and like I'm going to have a better relationship. But we just kind of jump right back in, right? right? So yeah, it is starting slowly to put on those parameters and those boundaries for yourself. So like, what does that look like? And like really start thinking about what do you want your relationship with social media to be like? I think mm. we don't really think about that at all. We just kind of do mm. it. And then it, then our iPhone tells us we've been on for like you know, eight hours a day. So how can, like, what do we actually want it to look like? Um, and then start start small. I feel like a lot of times, especially, uh, I know in my practice when I talk to a lot of the women, it's like, okay, well, no, I got to just do it all. And it's like, but like, are you going to stick with that? So how can we break that down? And everything's not a priority at once. So like, what what are we trying to accomplish? And like, what's the one small goal towards that? Absolutely. I think that's such a good point. And I, I think of it sometimes in terms of it's kind of like restriction and binging of things is sometimes if we deprive ourselves so much, then when we come back, it's just like a free for all, like you said, and we haven't actually thought about – because there's also different types of content and certain content is going to impact you more than other content. And I think one thing I've been thinking of that I'm interested if you see in your practice is because therapists are so much more online and now there's all these coaches and then there's also random influencers who also kind of act like life coaches. So everyone is giving out life advice. Yeah. And I think it can sometimes cause us anxiety and make us feel like there's something wrong with us all the time. And maybe there isn't anything wrong with you. Maybe your content is just so saturated with self-help content that it's making you think that there's something wrong and maybe it's actually you're following too much self-improvement yes, content. Yes, I, I feel like I see that a lot, right? Like we're always looking to fix something or better ourselves and like that's not necessarily bad, but yeah. are we getting consumed by that? Are we we're, – we're looking for – like these issues within ourselves constantly and are we not like accepting ourselves and like actually asking ourselves like you know what is it that I'm actually trying to be we're we're like reaching for something but what is that I keep saying there's no like self-help like certificate at the end right mm. there's no like cured healed so it's just just constant thing that we are you know striving towards but at what cost? Like, why are we doing it? So yeah, if we're if we're feeding ourselves that over and over again, we're constantly consuming like, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. It makes it feel like more of a, a chore than like something that we it's actually going to be helpful. We can't do it all. It's like what applies to us. And I think that is, you know, where memes or that type of content can, like the internet is also meant to be a place of escape and fun and like leaning into your interests. And I think that's where – that is why to me I think that that is still good content to follow and it serves that purpose because if we can find that balance, like you said, of like laughing at ourselves but also maybe some inspirational content and some tips and maybe it's really about balancing the content that you consume, which is hard to do with the algorithm, which wants to 
show you more extreme versions of the same thing. Absolutely. I mean, and there's a lot of real scary, like hard things going on in the world, yeah. right? So I think people, there has to be a balance too of how we're consuming that, how we're consuming news. Obviously, we want to be informed and not like, for lack of a better word, like shitting on people when they do want to be like, yeah. oh my God, Taylor looks so cute in that skirt with Travis yeah. Kelsey. Like, you know, I want to smile for, yeah. yeah, obviously there are really real things going on that are taxing on me and take a toll on me. And like, sometimes I just want to see that. Sometimes I just want to watch that blue Ivy dance again. Like, let me. Yes. And why, <laughs> why are you crucifying me on the internet? Because yeah. I posted that. Like there has to be a yeah. balance of, of what we're seeing. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's, that I think is the nuance and that's where you have to kind of look at things as a whole picture rather than just one piece of content. Because I think especially this summer, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, between, you know, Renaissance and the Eras tour and even like the Barbie movie and stuff, there was this really great women leaning into feminine interests summer that kind of happened. And I think that that was like, I think that that was really healing for a lot of people as much as some people rolled their eyes and, you know, didn't like that you posted right like that. And they didn't like what I posted. I think that there's something so healing also about us, especially as women, being able to lean into what we like, especially when it is it has been historically so crucified for so long. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, it's it's okay to like these things. I feel like, especially like as adult women, like mm. I think we're like that's immature, and like you're talking about yeah. this, and you're dressing up for these concerts, and you're doing these things. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's not a good role model. Like, I had so much fun this summer, and it was cool to do it as my adult self. It was cool to do some of those things with my daughter and like introduce them to her and like the different concepts of the conversations that we got to have about it. Like I think sometimes people really want to take everything so seriously. <laughs> like why can't it just be fun and that be okay? Mm -hmm. And it was cool to see like a large group of people doing that and like coming together and supporting each other in it. So it was like, I don't really care that this Joe Smo over here is like saying like right. you shouldn't do that like we're all gonna do it together and we're gonna have fun and we're gonna embrace each other like yeah. I loved it absolutely I love that you got to share that with your daughter that's that's so amazing did you guys get to go to like the movie or the dress up at the concert or what did you guys end up doing together yeah we got to go to the movie together as so we dressed up for that and we went to Barbie together and we had a lot of really cool conversations I'm letting renaissance toned down a little bit before I take her to the, the theater to see that but yeah it's just, it's cool to to have those experiences with her and like see the conversations and the questions that she's asking and, and come into mm -hmm. her own and like well what's this about and like you know the Barbie movie obviously there were some big things that some went over her head some didn't and that's okay yeah. too like you know I'm sure she'll watch it when she's older and she'll be like oh, okay that makes a little more sense but just to like see that and see all these cool relationships of other women being out and like talking to each other. Like that was really, it was a fun experience. I love that. I love that. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about too, of just the relationship that, you know, we have with our kids and being able to have these open conversations about what's happening, you know, in the world, in the media and stuff like that. Like we're saying, like it matters. I, I know people like to say that, you know, People have been, you know, especially men, I've been all upset this summer, I feel like, about different things, some of them. 
But yeah, it's like the whole point is that these aren't just frivolous things. They matter and they lead to bigger, I think, deeper conversations about deep topics. Yeah. And so my son's the younger one. So yeah, if he's not as into – I mean, he's into Taylor Swift because it's on in the car, so he has no choice. <laughs> but like – he was like, oh, tell me what this is about or like asking about certain mm. concepts or things. He was like, what is this patriarchy word? <laughs> like, oh it's so fun to just, you know, explore these things through their eyes and and see it too so that they can kind of do things together. Um, it doesn't have to be so gender stereotype. And like, that's something that we really strive for in our house and how they show up and how they talk to each other. Because I feel like it it has been so separate. So it's really cool. I I do like that in the younger generation. I feel like that has really evolved. Yeah, that's so cool. I think it's also so great because so often I think about when I was a child, I would pressure myself into trying to like sports or trying to like these major things that happened, right? So you felt like as a woman, I need to lean into this cultural moment. And I think it's really cool to hear you say that kind of Barbie, right, maybe this summer was such a cultural moment that boys wanted to maybe like lean into it and at least be curious about why it was popular. Yeah. And like be okay with that. Like it wasn't even a second thought to yeah. like ask or, you know, say he was interested. So I think I think that's like the cool part of the internet, right? And yeah. how the information is there and there is some great things to know and to see and people to find. And that's been really cool to explore. I love that. I love that. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open to this like different conversation. I really love talking to people about getting outside of their normal shtick and kind of having like deeper, more interesting conversations. But tell us more about you, Amber, and where people can follow you, find you, find your work, all of that. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at amberverseanxiety. And also I have website amberverseanxiety.com and you can find all the stuff that I do on there. Amazing. Amazing. And you have you have an anxiety lab and you have a card deck and things like that too if people want more tangible resources, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have the anxiety lab. It's a membership service for women who are struggling with anxiety. And then I also created a card deck, the anxiety lab card deck. It's journal prompts that help you especially if you're like new to journaling or you want to get into it or dig a little deeper into, you know, why you might be so anxious, the card deck is there to help you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amber. Thanks for your time and I'll chat with you later. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit amandaewhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit therapyforwomencenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country. 